Good morning. This is Pastor Todd. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Gathering Place podcast. This week, I am sharing a message for the church. I trust the Lord uses it to encourage and build you up. And here is this week's message. For this day, uh, we thank you for your heart. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. And we thank you that you've called us to be part of the kingdom of heaven. Lord, it's, it's a kingdom that is perfect and just and righteous, and that there is no room for unrighteousness. There is no room for injustice. There is no room for corruption. Because you are a perfect God, and you know perfectly. And you have called us, you've invited us to be a part of that kingdom, to live according to that kingdom, to that economy, forever. And we thank you for that opportunity, Lord. And we pray that you draw us closer into your kingdom as we pursue you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this is Palm Sunday. And uh, we're going to hit some topics that most people are going to be like, why would you even do that on Palm Sunday? But I think it's really important. And I'll tie it in, in the, at the end. But Palm Sunday, we celebrate that. It's a week before Easter. For most of us, you know, if, we, if we're raised in a Pentecostal church, you know, we might have some palm leaves and do some praise songs on Palm Sunday, and then we'll have like an Easter service. Some of the more traditional Protestant churches might have sunrise services where they show up at 6 o'clock in the morning and have donuts. And I remember those back in my teenage years. Um, we don't. There's a lot of us in our church that, uh, you know, we're kind of rolling into 1015 because we like to get out of bed a little bit on the later side. <laughs> so, but here's, here's the context for, for Palm Sunday. In the biblical context, when we look at the Torah, when we look at the Jewish practice in Jesus' day, we call it Palm Sunday because they laid the palm leaves down to make a path for Jesus to enter into the city. It was actually the day that all of the Passover lambs from the nation are escorted into Jerusalem. So this is four days before the sacrifice. Uh, so this has to happen on the 10th day of the month of Nisan. And we're not talking about the Ultima outside. The 10th month of the day of Nisan is four days before the sacrifice. The lambs had to be escorted in because they had to be examined to see if they would be found worthy to die. Is this lamb without blemish? Is this lamb's blood good enough to cover the sins of the household for the year? So that's what's happening. So Jesus is now coming into Jerusalem the same day the lambs are being escorted in. That's the imagery that we have. That's the context we have of Jesus entering in on Palm Sunday. So this is slide number three. Uh, sorry, Cal, I kind of jumped. I'm going to read a big passage from Matthew um, about the account. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle 
and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them, of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So that gets us through slide number nine. So we're going to move on to our first point in this. The reason for the lambs in Jesus' entry four days before sacrifice. Jesus enters Jerusalem just like the other lambs. The lambs had to be without blemish, and so did Jesus. He had to be a perfect lamb to be a sacrifice. The blood of the lambs had to satisfy the requirements to cleanse individual families of their sins. In the same manner, Jesus' blood had to satisfy the requirements to cleanse all people of their sins. Slide number 11. Jesus' entry has two purposes. The imagery of this is twofold. The first is that Jesus comes into Jerusalem like a Passover lamb. Tenth day of Nisan, lambs are escorted in for sacrifice. Jesus is escorted in for sacrifice. Second fold... Jesus enters as a triumphant king bringing peace. Because in the ancient world, if a king comes into a city on a donkey, it means peace. He's coming in peace. If a king enters on a horse, it means that he's coming as a conquering force. And that's coming. We've read Revelation. We know that's coming. But his first come is to bring peace to bring salvation to his people. So point number two, this is slide number 12. We see in all of this the heart of the Father, right? Jesus is working. His whole mission on earth, his 33 some odd years on earth, is to fulfill the mission of his Father. And to fulfill, to bring to reality the heart of God to a people. And so Jesus' work on Easter Sunday and Holy Week is all about the culmination, right? The fulfillment of every letter of the Old Testament law. So all of God's heart that's been revealed for 4,000 years following his people comes to a culmination, comes to a pinnacle through Holy Week. There are 39 books in the Old Testament. God reveals a lot about his heart in those books, from the Torah to the prophets to the, to the history books. And in today's social and political climate, we're going to tie it into today, I want to bring forth one thing from that Old Testament, from Scripture, from God's heart, that speaks against the trend of what we call identity politics in today's landscape. Because it is a trend that has come into the church 
and deceived many Christians. There's a deception that's creeping into the people of God, and we need to talk about that. So slide 13. One of today's talking points is this, that the American way is made up of two categories. So American society is basically two categories. Category one, white, heterosexual, Christian oppressors. Two, non-white oppressed people. That's the false dichotomy that's, that's come down right now. And we'll talk about some of the movements, some of the terms that are all connected to this. But that's the, the foundation philosophy of this trend right now. We don't have time to go into all of those details of why that's wrong. So I'm just going to state right now that that dichotomy is a lie from hell. It is not from God. It has no redemptive value and is not something that we should support. It is opposed to the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness. So slide uh, 14 and 15. What is known as, and here's the big term that, that gets kicked around, critical race theory starts with viewing people collectively in mass according to their group identity. Whether you're white, heterosexual, male, Christian, whether you're LGBTQ, Latino, Latinx, because that's the new thing now, Latinx. Um, whatever your group identity is, you're, you're considered, you're looked at, you're judged based on your group identity, not on your individuality. So people are dealt with and judged on a collective level. And we will see how that is very against the heart of God. A popular example of that, White people owned slaves 200 years ago in America. Therefore, white people today are guilty and must pay the reparations for the guilt of their ancestors. That's going on. That's going on right now. This is what God revealed about his heart. And I'm going to say to this generation and this idea of paying for the sins of a previous generation. Slide 16. Deuteronomy. So we're going way back. We're not even talking like Jesus' day. We're talking Moses' time, right? 1400 B.C. era. Deuteronomy 24, 16. Parents are not to be put to death for their children, nor children put to death for their parents. Each will die for their own sin. This gets resounded in Ezekiel. So we're slide 17. Ezekiel 18, 20 says, The one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. Slide 19. From the beginning, the heart of Yahweh has been towards individual accountability for our own sins and our own pursuits of righteousness. Somebody might say, well, what about that whole passage about God visiting the sins on the third and fourth generation? I'm just going to pause right there and just say, that is more about the reach of unrepentant generational sin. And it's more about the scope of God's blessing for the righteous, because he visits the blessing on the righteous down to 10,000 generations. It's not a one-to-one -one that you're going to pay for your father's sin. It's going to be this generational sin that gets propagated through unrepentance. There's a difference that happens. 
And this is that, that whole passage right there about the third and fourth generation is about idol worship. It's about worshiping other gods because that affects the household you grow up in. Your parents worship something other than Jesus. You're going to grow up with that as a normal. Yep. And then if that doesn't change by God's grace, you're going to bring that as a normal into your kids. That's how that works. Yep. It's generational unrepentance, idolatry. And then we can also say, well, what about like when God wipes out the Amorites as, as a people in mass, right? Because that's what this whole... God's judgments against nations is different. It's a different matter and has nothing to do with identity politics, right? Because when God judges a nation, he's judging the policies of the nation. There are righteous people in nations, but yeah, the nation gets judged. God preserves his people. This moves us into slide 20. So why bring it up on, why, why bring, even bring this up on Palm Sunday in 2021? Like why talk about identity politics as we're preparing for Holy Week, right? Why talk about this when we're looking at like sanctifying the week to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth? To that I say, today's topics are in the church and they will affect Holy Week. They will affect how we live and how we practice. And if we're gonna live and practice out of a deception, because of their righteous lingo, we're going to be held account to that. Because one thing that is happening as we're moving through Holy Week is that God is setting us free from bondage and setting us free from death and setting us free from eternal damnation. The other thing that's happening is that Easter Sunday, Jesus resurrected from the dead and scripture says that he was placed above every other name and that he will sit as judge in the end. So if we buy into a deception, when we stand on judgment day, which is a result of Jesus' resurrection, we're going to have to stand and give an account for why we bought into a deception. So this is tied into Holy Week. This is tied in to Easter Sunday and the resurrection. That gets us to point three. That the gospel is about bringing the chance for freedom in life to all people equally. According to scripture, a white American Republican will not stand before God on Judgment Day alongside their antebellum ancestors to face collective judgment. That's not going to happen. That person will be judged on their individual actions. They're not going to be judged by their pre-Civil War slave-owning ancestors. In the same way, this is slide 22, a black American Democrat will not stand before God on Judgment Day alongside BLM leaders for collective judgment. They will be judged by their individual actions. Because in the kingdom of heaven, each person stands or falls based on their standing with Jesus Christ. On the day of judgment, either Jesus is contending for you or he is not. And that's based on whether or not you lived and upheld the stipulations of the covenant sealed in his blood. Slide 25. Does not scripture tell us 
Is it not written? On that day, people will say, Lord, Lord, have we not performed many miracles in your name, prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name? And what does Jesus reply? Day of judgment, right? This is where he's standing. He's either contending for you or he is not. And if you're not living in the covenant, you will hear the most terrifying words that could ever be uttered. Depart from me, I never knew you. And no antebellum slaveholders will be able to save you. And no BLM leaders will be able to save you. You stand and fall in front of the living God. If you hear, I never knew you, it's done. It's done. So slide 26. We looked at a lot of the Old Testament. But what about the New Testament? So we're going to move into the New Testament now. So New Testament passages about this that directly oppose these trends in today's identity politics. Romans chapter 2, this is slide 27, verses 6 through 8, and then verse 11. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who, by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger for God does not show favoritism. Romans 14, the end of verse 10 into verse 12. For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Galatians 3.28 so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. Identity politics, not in the kingdom of heaven. There is no place for it. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Slide 33. The movements of today aren't about freedom and life. They're about power, bondage, division, and destruction. Jesus said you will know a tree by its fruit. What is the fruit that we've seen on this? Slide 34. Here's some uh, headlines and some websites. This is about theft. BLM activist claims looting and theft are reparations. Slide 35. Homicide. Black Lives Matter led to record numbers of mass shootings. Multiple people shot dead in protests following George Floyd. Actually, this was a, a Georgia one. Okay. Slide 36. BLM riots caused over $1 billion of damage. Yet the media says they're mostly peaceful. These are all headlines from last year. Like this is our, this is why we're all wearing masks and huddled in our houses, because they don't want us to go out and spread coronavirus. And this is going crazy, right? This is happening. This is our world. So 30, slide 37. There's one agent in Scripture whose trademark is to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? Let's move to the next slide. These are the trademarks 
of what Hebrew says, Hasatan, Satan in English. So what do we do? How do we know? How do we put up a defense against this? What do we, like, how do we know if we're being deceived? This is my advice. This is the first step, my advice right here. Look for the trigger terms, right? Look for these trigger terms. If you're watching other preachers on TV, if you're streaming online sermons, if you're following Christian podcasts or blogs, these are some of the terms that should alarm you to their point of view. Anyone who uses or supports the following terms and ideas, like you should have a giant check in your spirit about listening to that person for edification. If you come across the term social justice, social justice is not justice. It's about the redistribution of wealth. What does that mean? That's a Marxist philosophy. We're talking Karl Marx, Communist Manifesto, right? An ideology, a philosophy that is responsible for the death of 100 million ceaseless lives in the 20th century alone. Marxist philosophy has caused more death than all the world, all the wars in all the world combined. So if you hear social justice, it's part of this. Critical race theory, same thing. It's about judging all white people as oppressors. That's what it comes down to. In, in the, the Soviet Union, when they took over, it was about the upper class, the middle class, the working class oppressing the poor people. They just changed the terms. That's all. White fragility, maybe you've heard that book that's popped up. It's kind of the ugly stepsister of critical race theory. What about equity? What is equity? Equity is wealth redistribution. That means I could work 50 hours a week to earn some money, and the guy next to me works 15 hours a week, and he gets the same amount of money that I get. That's what equity is. Black Lives Matter is the activist arm of critical race theory. If you're hearing terms like your truth and my truth, oh, well, that's just a lie right from the get-go. There's objective truth, and then there's not. That's all that is. And if you hear the term white privilege, the white people are intrinsically racist because they're born white. No. No. It's not true. These are all lies. And if you hear somebody that you respect on TV or on a podcast or online that's supporting any of this, they've been deceived. They've jumped into the deception. So beware. So we're going to get to our last verse for today. This is slide 40. Psalm 139, 13 through 16. Where David says, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Slide 43. We're preparing this week to move into Easter. This coming Friday is Good Friday. We've got a list of the different days. Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Black Saturday, Easter Sunday. Good Friday, we, we observe Jesus' crucifixion. 
And we have to remember this. Jesus died to forgive us our sins. We were never, not even from the Old Testament, to bear the sins of our group. That's not scripture. It's not God's heart. That's not kingdom. That is an unjust, unjust placement of blame on the innocent. Who blames the innocent? What type of person does that? An accuser. That's who. And what's the Hebrew term for the accuser? Hasatan. Right? In English, Satan. Jesus died to set us free from bondage. Jesus died to give us eternal life. Jesus died to seal us into a covenant relationship with our creator. And Jesus died to perfect the image of God in every person who comes under the covenant. So slide 45. To apologize for the color of your skin, to feel sorry for God blessing your hands and your hard work, to let any authority, whether individual or social policy, judge you and your value instead of God, honestly is a slap in the face to what Jesus is going through on Easter Sunday and Good Friday. It's an insult to God's glory. Do we correct wrongs when we see it? Yes, absolutely. That's part of the kingdom right, work, right? Do righteousness, right? Do justly. But we do not buy into perceived wrongs. And we do not bear erroneous blame for something beyond our individual ability. We live in righteousness and we live in the glory of our risen Savior. We're looking toward Easter weekend in less than seven days. Or maybe it is seven days. This is my encouragement. Maybe you have come across these terms. Maybe you've thought, well, there's some validity to that. Maybe there's this part that's redemptive here and part there. So you've taken some of it in. So now you realize that ah, it's kind of a ruse. What, what do we do about that? Like, say we've, we've actually put money to Black Lives Matter. It could happen, you know. It's a, it's a nonprofit charity. Here's my advice. Let every feeling of guilt, whatever it is, related to this, right? If you're guilty because you're white, guilty because you're better off than somebody else, let every feeling of guilt, let every temptation to bondage, to go under this judgment related to these talking points, let all of that be nailed to the cross. Because all of our sins... All of our deceptions, all of our delusions are to be nailed to the cross because Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Yeah. Right. Because there's no place in the kingdom of heaven for false assumptions like that. There's no place in the kingdom of heaven that I bear the guilt of somebody else. It's no place in the heart of a Christian. None of today's talking points in this has a claim on our resources. It's not of God, therefore it must be crucified with all of our other sins, our individual imperfections, and so on and so forth. Kingdom life is transcendent life. What does that mean? It means, yes, we do live in this world. We do interact with the matter in this world. Our values, our financial decisions, our interactions with people are not burdened by the muck and the mile, mire of this world. 
We pursue the kingdom in every aspect of our lives, from our presence in the workforce to the shopping centers, from daily interactions to our choice of media exposure. Every decision can be brought down to one simple question. Does this glorify God and his kingdom, or does it not? So the advice is choose wisely. So in conclusion, this is slide uh, 47. Jesus came as a sacrificial lamb and a conquering king, all according to how lambs and kings entered Jerusalem. God has revealed that he looks at each individual heart and actions. No one will bear the guilt of their ancestors or their collective identity. God's not, even, not, God's not interested in that. That's a false worldly thing that's happening. We are new creations. We are free from sin. Every human on earth bears God's image. So every human on earth is wonderfully made. Never apologize for how God made you. The only thing that we can apologize for is our own sins. And then we repent of those. So, as I'm wrapping up, maybe you're hearing this message live, maybe you're streaming on Zoom, maybe you're hearing the podcast after the fact. Maybe this is the first you've ever heard of this. And maybe your heart is strangely warmed about this. Maybe you've celebrated Easter, maybe you've had, you know, like family hams on Easter Sunday, but never really went to church. This is what I have to say. Easter Sunday is about living in a good, solid relationship with our maker. And that only happens because Jesus died on the cross on Good Friday to cover our sins. Yes, I know it's a foreign concept, but blood covers sin. And we can see now that all the deaths that have happened in the last year with the riots are not enough to satiate the violence of humanity. It's going to take more than a human blood to do that. And that's why Jesus came as a son of God, as a, as a deity, to shed his blood. It's powerful enough to forgive us and make us new. If you want to be part of this covenant, if you want to be part of an eternal life full of peace and blessing that goes beyond anything that the powers of this earth can give, then I, I want you to start that conversation with the Lord. And you can start it with this little prayer. You can say it inside your head if you're with somebody and you don't want to sound like an idiot. That's fine. God knows your thoughts. You can have a dialogue without using your words. But just follow these words, either out loud or in your mind. Jesus, I've heard some very interesting things today, and I'm interested. I've heard about a promise for eternal life, an internal peace that can't be shaken by this world. I've heard about what you bring, a forgiveness that nothing else can bring. So I look to you, Jesus, and say, tell me more. Show yourself to me and let me know that you are real and this is truth.
Amen. And that's it. Like, if you prayed that, if you said that, Jesus will show up. He will talk. If you have questions, you can contact us here at the church at info at tgpchicago.org. We'd be glad to have one of our ministers get in touch with you and answer any of the questions that you have. So as I wrap up, um, a little bit of music here. Ah, dear Jesus, thank you that you bring true freedom and that you bring true peace and true eternal life. Thank you for all of the events that happened throughout Holy Week leading to Easter Sunday. We worship you in spirit and truth, and we serve you not because it's the best thing on our list or not because it's the wisest thing for my family. We serve you because you are God, and what you offer is true and real. And it's worth it. So thank you, Jesus. We give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for all that you've done and all that you've made us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello again. This is Pastor Todd. I pray the Lord uses my message today to strengthen your walk with God. If you were blessed by this message and would like to support the ministry of the Gathering Place financially, I encourage you to use our online giving portal, at tgpchicago.org. The portal uses PayPal's secure site so none of your information is compromised. Once again, thank you for tuning in to the Gathering Place podcast. God bless you and have a great week.